Hey y'all, welcome back to an all new episode of Hey Baby, What's in Your Mouth? I am your host, New York comedian Philip Jeremick, and we are back after a long hiatus. Listen, I was in Europe all summer living my life, going to new beaches. Give me a break. Today, we are talking all about my second favorite condiment. So, if you'll recall, way back when, for episode one, I believe, we did my favorite condiment, mayonnaise. And now it's time for mustard, bitches. Mm -hmm. Did you think I was going to say ketchup? No. Ketchup is gross. It's probably not even my 11th favorite condiment, and I'll probably never do a ketchup episode. But tell us how you really feel, Philip. Um, but seriously, uh, ketchup can suck my dick. Mustard, though, mustard adds real flavor to things. It is sharp and potent and earthy and nutty and acidic and... Like, it's mustard. Mustard tastes like mustard. It tastes like nothing else. So that is what we're talking about today. And then we're going to talk to our guest. She's great. I'm in her apartment. We're drinking, as per usual. Uh, but we will get to that a little later. So, first of all, what is mustard? Well, as many varieties as there are, all mustard starts the same way. It's just mustard seeds smushed together with lemon juice or water or wine or some kind of liquid as well as salt and spices. Then... You can go crazy and make all sorts of other varieties, which we will get into a little bit later. But basically, on the mustard spectrum, it ranges from sweet to spicy and from bright yellow to dark brown. Oh, and I'll tell you why it's bright yellow later. It's piss. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. um, now, the etymology of mustard is pretty cool. Mustard comes from the Anglo-Roman mustarde, uh, the first part of it coming from Latin, mustum, which means must. Now, must, not as in I must meet Dolly Parton, but must, as in grape must, uh, is basically, it's like a young wine. It's essentially like a grape juice uh, with all the seeds and the skins of the grapes thrown in there. So, must comes from mustum. Now, the very first mustards were prepared with this thick-ass grape juice. Basically, they would mix ground mustard seeds and make a paste. So, that's the must part of mustard. The second part, ard, comes from the Latin ardens, meaning hot or flaming. So there you have it. The word mustard means hot, flaming grape mush, basically. Now, mustard first made its way, this is cool, into the English language in the late 13th century. However, before it was a word describing mustard in the English language, it already existed as a surname. So Colonel Mustard... Not that crazy after all. It's been a last name in English for so, so, so long. I wish my last name was Mustard. Philip Mustard. Man, I'd get so far. Anyway, uh, there is evidence of mustard seeds being used in Asia and India like a very, very long time ago. But the first time that mustard as a condiment was likely used was by the Romans. Now, the aforementioned Mustum Ardens, hot flaming grape mush with mustard seeds, was first recorded in a fascinating ancient Roman cookbook from the late 4th century called, I mean, I'm going to take a stab at this, called De Recoquinaria. Thank you. Now, by the way, various translations of this book have been attempted. And you can buy them, though, they're not really like an instructional guide because it's really difficult to translate the way that they made these things for modern usage. But what we do know from these books, or this book, uh, is that some of the shit they ate back then was lavish and ridiculous. Like, for example, roasted flamingos. 
Yep. That was in this book. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Uh, the other thing that was in this book that we're talking about is the original mustard recipe. Now, this recipe called for the following. Listen up. It's, it's lengthy. Uh, ground mustard, black pepper, caraway seeds, lovage, grilled coriander seeds, dill, celery, thyme, oregano, onions, honey, vinegar, and fish sauce. That sounds pretty fucking delicious. And uh, it was actually intended as a glaze for spit-roasted boar. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. But you just know that if this shit was rediscovered today by some, like, little hipster Brooklyn mustard startup, they'd be selling it in, like, an artist design package for $38 for, like, four ounces. And if you're listening and you want to do that, go for it, because I'm not going to do it. Um, now, by the 10th century, mustard made its way to modern-day France, and the monks of Saint-Germain-de-Prés learned mustard-making from the Romans, and they became experts. So, after that, some 200 years later, yeah, we're moving fast, deal with it. 200 years later, by the 13th century, France became the center of mustard production, thanks to those monks who learned it from the Romans. Now, Dijon, sound familiar? Dijon specifically became Mustard City, USA, and by USA I mean France, as is evidenced today because, of course, one of the most popular mustard types on earth is named after the town. But those mofos always loved it. You want proof? Here it comes. There are written records from the year 1336 that during a single dinner, so like one sitting, hosted by the Duke of Burgundy, guests ate 320 liters of mustard in one sitting. Now, it doesn't say how many guests there were, but still, that's a lot of mustard. 320 liters, like at one table at one time. And speaking of French mustard, we gotta talk about Grey Poupon, not just because it's a big brand that we all know, but because there's quite a history here. It is the oldest and certainly one of the biggest manufacturers ever. So Grey Poupon started in 1777 by two dudes named, you guessed it, Grey and Poupon. Now Maurice Grey was already a mustard maker and Auguste Poupon was the financial backer. So it's kind of like that scene in Romy and Michelle's high school reunion where Romy's like, how about I thought of inventing post-its, but you thought of making them yellow. That's what this was like, and we all know how that ended. Anywho, there was something unique about Maurice Gray's mustard recipe, which is that he made it with white wine, and nobody else was doing that at the time. Everyone was like, water, vinegar, that's what we'll do. He was like, nah, bitches, white wine. So Grey Poupon was successful for that reason, and, you know, they kind of stood apart from everyone else, but also they were successful because they had the first ever mustard-making machine it was then. So while the French may have popularized mustard to begin with, other places perfected it. Yeah, that's right, I said it. For me personally, English and German mustards are my personal favorites because they tend to be thicker, darker, and way hotter than French or North American mustards. And the English ones especially, they can be hot as fuck, okay? Britain's most famous mustard brand is Coleman's, which has been making mustard in its Norwich factory since 1814. In fact, they bought out Keens. You know, there's Keens mustard. Well, Norwich was like, no, we're bigger. And they eventually bought them out. Anyway, uh, it is still around today, Coleman's. Uh, it is popular as ever. And they used to have this adorable little mustard shop inside of this beautiful old Art Nouveau building in Norwich. And I went to Google it because I was like, I'm going to go there one day. No, I won't. 
it's permanently closed. But then I was like, okay, in Dijon, in France, there must be a mustard museum, right? And again, there was, and that one also shut down. So note to self, don't open a mustard museum because clearly they don't do well. But then I kept digging, and right here in the USA, in Middleton, Wisconsin, is the National Mustard Museum. It is alive and well. It's huge. Um, in fact, they have currently 5,624 jars of mustard on display. Uh, and in their gift shop, in addition to being able to buy, obviously, all sorts of mustard, you can also buy everything from mustard cookbooks to Indian mustard soap. I'm good. Um, now, did you think that we would get through the mustard episode before diving deep into the clue character Colonel Mustard? Yeah, we're gonna do that. Because remember in the potato episode, I talked all about Mr. Potato Head, and we learned so much. Uh, so we're gonna learn about Colonel Mustard. So basically, the board game Clue was invented in the UK by Anthony E. Pratt of Birmingham. Birmingham's a shithole, by the way. Ugliest city in the world. Don't ever go. Um, in 1949. It was originally called Cluedo. Now, there have been some changes uh, throughout the years, but generally some things are the same. Colonel Mustard is generally portrayed as an imperialist, a big game hunter, so like an ivory hunter, and his name being Colonel, he is also described as a military figure. But in some versions, he is a military figure, in some versions he's not, but he's kind of an the asshole of the group, and like short-tempered, uptight, kind of a buffoon. Now, Though he's usually an older gentleman, there are some versions where they did take liberties. For example, in the 1963 U.S. version of Clue, Colonel Mustard was made super young, very clean cut, and then in the 2002 version, he was a cubist drawing, and they named him Michael Mustard. No, I don't like that. But then in another one, his name was Algernon Mustard. That I'll accept. It makes more sense. Um, by the way, if you've never seen the movie Clue, it's one of the greatest films of all time. You gotta watch it. It has alternate endings. Sorry, I ruined it for you. Um, now we're gonna talk very soon to our lovely guest, Amanda Catrini. Uh, but before we do, uh, I do want to mention a few more things about mustard, because you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, it's delicious. I can eat it. What else can I do with it? Well, our friends at apartmenttherapy.com have plenty of suggestions. Some are kind of gross. So number one, mustard apparently is a great salve for burns. Got a burn? Put some mustard on it. They also say on their website that a mustard is a great cosmetic mask, but they don't tell you why and they don't tell you what it does. They're just like, put mustard on your face. I'm gonna pass. Uh, it also helps apparently mustard with sore muscles when you mix it with salt. Although my grandma used to just like wrap cabbage leaves around her legs when they hurt. Me? I'm not gonna do either. I'm gonna stick to massages and I'm gonna stick to aspirin. Now, another thing is that when you mix mustard, I've never done this, when you mix mustard with hot water, um, it's a great de-skunker and so is tomato juice for the record. Luckily, I've never been uh, sprayed by a skunk. Uh, another thing, according to apartment therapy, if you got a sore throat, combine half a cup of hot water with some lemon juice, honey, and you guessed it, mustard and gargle it and then go make out with somebody, I dare you. Me, I'm just all about the hot toddy if I've got a sore throat, okay? If I, if there's an excuse to drink alcohol, not that you ever need one, that's it. And then to round off these mustard facts, here's a couple of fun facts for you. The reason American mustard is so yellow, like French's for example, is not because 
that's naturally what mustard looks like. But don't worry, they're not actually adding piss or anything. They are adding turmeric. Turmeric is what gives it its super, super bright color. It's frighteningly bright color, but at least it's natural. And finally, most of the mustard seeds on this planet come from two countries. Two very different countries in two very different places with different climates, I would think. They come from Canada and Nepal. That is where most of our mustard comes from. Who knew, guys? Who knew? And now the time has come to chat with our guest. Joining us today to take a dip into the world of mustard, literally, we're in a hot tub full of mustard. No, we're not. Um, is the lovely Amanda Katrini, who has a very cool job. She is the Purchasing and Events Coordinator for Food Network's Test Kitchen. So without her, nothing would happen. There'd be nothing to cook, okay? She also runs a sustainability program for the Test Kitchen. And another thing she runs is a show in Brooklyn called Sets in the City. S-E-T-S, -E like a set, like when an artist does a set on stage, yeah. Sets in the City, in Brooklyn Heights. It is a variety show featuring stand-up music, snacks, and friendship. So thanks for joining us. How's it going, girl? Hey, thanks for having me. This is lovely. You're having me, technically. We're at your apartment. All right, sure, sure, That's sure, great. Sure, sure, Listen, sure. it's Brooklyn. I'm drinking wine out of a mason jar. <laughs> so, okay, first of all, what do you do exactly... Like, I just read your job title, but, like, run me through, like, your day at Food Network. Sure thing. Um, so, yes, I am the Purchasing and Events Coordinator for Food Network Test Kitchen. So, essentially, I am one of the buyers who allocates, sources, and purchases all of the food-related needs for our kitchen. So, that's mainly ingredients. It's also equipment um, and supplies. Um, but we have an ever-changing roster of projects um, that changes daily, sometimes hourly. So it's a very fast-paced job. It's a very uh, detail-oriented job. And uh, it's a really fun job. It sounds sure. really cool. Yeah. So I assume you have to buy things in, like, insane quantities. Sometimes I do. It depends on the project. Um, sometimes if they're developing something for, for example, Food Network magazine, they're going to want to buy products that people all across America have access okay, to. Okay, that makes so sense. So then we're going to go to just a normal grocery store or Fresh Direct um, to get the ingredients needed. However, sometimes we do fancy corporate events or we play around with recipe development for some really avant-garde stuff and then we go to more of the specialty shops. Yeah, because I read sometimes you like have to go in person and find stuff, right? Yes, so I'm the coordinator. Um, it's me and my and my boss Jake who are on the team together, and then we have a whole slew of interns and freelancers who, at this point, do most of the okay. running around the city to buy those specialty, um, sorry, products for us. Um, so, what's the craziest thing? Like back when you had to run around and get it, like uh -huh. was there a thing where you were like, was like really hard to find, or was just like. Sure. Thing. I mean, I mean basically every day is insane. It's like a, it's it's a super fun job, but it's definitely very high energy and high stress um, because you're working with a bunch of chefs and everything is very time sensitive, and mm. everyone's very particular because that's what makes them a great chef. Um, so just to pluck one story from the archives. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> I was working on a show called Worst Cooks in America. Oh, yeah. Sounds familiar. Back when familiar. I was an intern. Okay, great, great, great. And, you know, they like to, to use um, certain ingredients to kind of shock the audience and the competitors. Okay. 
So they decided <clears throat> there was going to be a chicken breakdown challenge. We had to learn how to break down a chicken and, and, you know, butcher a chicken. But instead of just going to the grocery store like normal and buying a whole chicken, they wanted to get chickens with feet and beaks and heads intact. Chinatown? Yes. Is that where you so went? I went, to, uh, I went to Brooklyn, Chinatown. This was October of 2012 when I was still an intern. Um, went all by my lonesome to this chicken market where they sold live chickens uh, and also rabbits. And I think I saw a couple squirrels in there. Um, yeah. You would pick out the chickens you wanted and then they would weigh them while they were still alive and clucking. Oh then God. they brought them to the back. I ordered like 20 chickens. Just this little girl in a big SUV with with nothing but a, a hope and a dream and, and a song wow. on my shoulder. And and I, I bought these 20 chickens. They went to the back. They, they, they killed them and defeathered them. How long did that a, take? It took like half an hour. That's it? For 20 chickens? Yeah, they're very efficient. They're, they know what they're doing. But it was November. And the first crazy thing that happened was they brought me my chickens, put put the bag in my hand and the bag just started instantly steaming because of the warm like their like body heat right of the chicken because it was still alive and it was so cold out so that was you know of course that's wow. something that happens but i, I just had yeah, never you don't really think about it. thought about that before i like um sorry, sorry yeah go, go for it no i like that they weighed them while they were alive yeah i know right like they're not going to Way less. Like, wouldn't it be easier to just kill them and then weigh them? They say that you lose like twenty-seven grams when you die. Right, that's or at your least, soul. At least, yeah. Right? So, so they charge you for the chicken soul in Chinatown. Wow. Let let it be known. Let it be known. But anyway, so I, I buy these chickens. I was feeling like a badass. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm earning my stripes here. Put the chickens in the in the car. Drive to the studio. Actually, there were still some feathers in the chickens, so we had to get tweezers from you know the the bodega, the CVS, and and get those those feathers out but we did it it was gnarly but we did it put them in the fridge and the next day hurricane sandy happened oh no and we lost power in the studio and all the chickens rotted so they died in vain they did and then wow. guess who had to do it again? all over again were the people like you need 20 more you again I mean, I know it's such a, it's such a booming business wherever that place was. I don't think that they even gave me a, right. a second thought. Oh, man. That's uh, crazy. I love yeah. that story. Um, so mustard. Eye opening. Yeah. What are your like top? Do you love mustard? Do you, you are know you indifferent? I do. No, I'm not. Oh, definitely not indifferent. Um, I think mustard is is uh, one of the most important not only condiments but ingredients to have in your fridge. I agree. I am very very pro mustard. I think. Uh, I mean any. Any good vinaigrette, you need yeah, mustard. Yeah, like even like, you can make like a basic sauce. You could mm -hmm. like you could do so much with mustard. Oh yeah, um, I am a big fan of like you know the the good old. Or can we say brands on this? I'm I assume so. Cool. The <laughs> Why spicy not? brown, the spicy yeah. brown, the Gildans. You know, I'm a big fan of that one. Like on a hot dog at a barbecue mm -hmm. in the summer. That's that's dope. Um, of course, the Dijon mustard, which you so eloquently described, gotta love that for for sauces, for vinaigrettes. Um, it's really great to like crust on like breadcrumbs on lamb or chicken oh, yes. or something. Um, but I'm you know I'm I'm all over the map with that with that stuff. I'll I'll try any mustard. I fucking I don't like ones that are like more sweet than they are like mustardy. You know when like know, all you taste is sugar. Well, yeah, like honey mustard. Yeah, yeah, like I'm like I'm good. Yeah. Um, but I love those like super thick 
like I said, like those British and German mm-hmm. mustards. There's this brand, this German brand, it's my favorite one, called Löwensenf. Okay. Like L-O with the umlauts, mm-hmm. W-E-N-S-E-N-F. Uh, it's, which I, I found out today means lion's mustard. Wow. Um, there's, How courageous. I know. There's three. There's like a red label, a blue one, and a green one. And the red one is the sharpest one. Okay. It comes in a jar. Yes, I think I've You've seen, seen this. It. It's yeah. like a red label with a gold lion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It comes in a jar and uh, with like a red lid. Uh, and it's really thick and like really sharp and so mustardy. Oh, it's so good. And I've mentioned this place before on the show because it is a surprising like trove of treasures. But the uh, world market at Bed Bath & Beyond in Manhattan is, believe it or not, when you're like... Fuck, like, you're like, where can I get, like, a European product? Like, oh, I probably have to go to, like, a little deli in Queens. No, 6th Avenue, Bed Bath & Beyond. Wow! They have, like, crazy, like, foreign products that you'd be shocked to find there. And that they is have them. good to know. So that's where you can get it. Very cool. Among so many other things. Um, so, yeah. Do you have any, like, mustard recipes that are, like, your go-tos or that you really love? Or hmm. I'm sort of putting you on the spot now. Well, actually, my my family lives on a my parents live on a farm upstate, and they raise um, sheep. Mm-hmm. And we have this recipe that my mom does. I think for I think she usually does it for Easter. But yeah, it's just like lamb. a really beautifully crusted lamb um, with like a mustard glaze with like breadcrumbs and whole grain mustard, and it's just I th- I just think that as you said, like that acidic, tangy, sharp flavor. Um, contrasted with like the gamey fatty lamb I just think that that is one of the most perfect combinations Um, so yeah I probably if I really wanted the mustard to shine I'd probably do something (laughs) like that like with with some meat Um, but also yeah like as I said I'm I'm really into making big beautiful bountiful salads and I I I would be remiss to make a vinaigrette without mustard it just it it, it makes me so sad because it doesn't emulsify it doesn't have that bite the vinegar, like, the vinegar is not enough, you know? The vinegar is vinegary, but the mustard really, you know, ties the whole thing together, um, flavor-wise and texture-wise, so, you know. Yeah, have. usually when I make any kind of dressing, I throw... Even if, like, all you have is, like, French's mustard, or, like, any yeah, kind of, like... in a pinch. Like, in a pinch, throw in, like, some, like, you know, like, freshly cracked black pepper, like, some other stuff. Like, you know, make it a little better. And I'm sorry, Frances. Um, it's delicious and affordable. Um, yeah, uh, why not? You could do that. And it will survive the apocalypse, probably. Probably. So that. Oh, once you when you said that, you just reminded me of this. Do you ever go to the free section of Craigslist? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Uh, okay. I haven't dabbled. Should you I? gotta do it okay. because you'll find the weirdest shit that people give away for free. Here's an example. Once someone was like, reptile aquariums, come pick them up. I've got like 20. They're free. And just like weird shit, like a a whole piano once someone was giving away. But the best was, and this was in the financial district of Manhattan, which is really what like made it even stranger. So, you know, it's like nothing but office buildings, finance. Someone's like 700 gallons of almost expired ranch dressing. Come get it. And there were pictures of it. It was oh like boxes God. of... It was a brand that I will not say, because I don't know why they were getting rid of that much ranch. It was like... <laughs> I don't know. It was like a week before expiring. And they I just had... I would have had like a ranch slip and slide party or something <laughs> like that. Oh, gross. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. And it, there were just pictures... And it was like... 
down on like Wall Street, come get these crates and crates of like bad Whoa. ranch dressing Did for people free. come out for it? I don't know. I just saw it on there and I was like, that's ridiculous. I want to meet the person who's giving this away because mm-hmm. they'll be a character. Oh, yeah. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, which I love, uh, in an interview... Uh, like a TV interview that Nigella Lawson did, mm. who she's love I her. love her. Queen. She, I don't know if she's exaggerating. I hope this is the truth. I feel like she wouldn't lie to us. She says that she does not travel anywhere without hot English mustard in her purse. Ah! She carries it with her at all times because she's like, like when, the Coleman's. Yeah, yeah. Like in a tube, she she gets it in a tube because you know <laughs> easy to carry for the gal on the go. Easy access. And she's like, whenever there's anything bland, she's like, I have no shame. I'll take it out in a restaurant and just put it on things. Wow. And I was like, yes, Nigella. That's like a step above. Like, I know chefs who t- who bring like a little tin of Malden salt with them wherever they go, oh, so they God. can like salt <laughs> correctly. See, I'd rather do something more lowbrow. Like, like be mustard, like just yeah. mustard in my bag. Yeah, that's that's almost like the English person's equivalent of like us with like Tabasco. Right. Like a lot of people are like you like carry their hot sauce or you know can't eat their eggs without hot sauce or whatever. True. Um, okay, so I'm curious just from my own knowledge of you, mm. um, the three main condiments: mustard, ketchup, and mayonnaise. Rate them like import in terms of importance to you as a human and chef. And oh boy. Okay. Mustard's number one, hands okay. down. Hands down. Um, that's tough for me. I'm not. I'm not a crazy ketchup girl either. Um, like I'll have it with my fries or like home fries, but basically only potatoes. I think it kind of mutes whatever you put it on the flavor of it. Yeah, you just taste sugar. <laughs> and also, I'm like a little bit scarred because my mom would make really beautiful meals for my family, like steak dinners and my dad would pour ketchup all over it oh, no. and I thought that was like really mean so I'm like a little bit scarred about ketchup but mayo I'm I'm similarly scarred about really because yeah I mean people either love it or hate it exactly they're either like repulsed by it as a concept yeah. or they slather it on everything exactly like me. I mean I mean I, I understand it and I guess if I was if I if you put a gun to my head, I'd say mustard, mayo, then ketchup, because I think mayo okay. can be used in a more in more, more variety, right? In, uh, you know, uh, in terms of recipes and whatnot. However, I'm scarred for mayo because a you know looking at it in deli cases as a child covering like egg salad made me upset. But um, secondly, I worked in this restaurant when I first moved to New York, and I had the morning shift, and I'd come in to do my side work at like 7 a.m., like super hungover, and I would have to put my arm into this like huge <laughs> gallon vessel of mayo with like all the yellow crusties around it, and like scoop it out and put it into these ramekins for service, and I just oh, like man. remember just, you know, holding back the tears. Did you have like a long glove or something? No, there was no glove, like that's actually Just with your thing. bare hand? Not my bare hand, like I would have a spoon. Oh, okay, I'm picturing you, know? you like... But, like, for some reason, whenever I would get to it, it would be, like, the bottom of the oh, gallon nice. of mayo. So, like, and I and I would always, like, put the spoon in and, like, no matter what happened, my forearm would get this, like, mayo crust on it. And I just associate that with being, like, so tired and hungover and, like, really <laughs> hating my job. Yeah, that's kind of the last thing you want to see when you feel like puking. And already is yeah. mustard. Yeah. I mean... I've maybe, seen those. Maybe I should have gone to bed earlier, but I'm just going to blame <laughs> no, you the shouldn't. mayo. Uh, no, I've seen those at Costco, those, like, 20-gallon, mm-hmm. like, tubs of mayo. Mm-hmm. I just think any food, no matter how much you love it, in a vast quantity, 
is gross. Sure. You know, like like I like my favorite food on the planet, hands down, is steak tartare. Ooh. But if I saw just like a you giant bitch. Thanks. I try. It's just <laughs> so good. But if I saw like a pile of it, that yeah. would be so gross. Also, like, how could you get I feel like a pile of steak tartare, like by the time you got through it, it would like start to rot. Oh yeah. Like you It doesn't have a long shelf life. No, it certainly doesn't. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Not not a great thing to bring to the bleachers on game yeah, day. No, like on a hot day. <laughs> I once took Deviled eggs to the beach. <laughs> silly. Which I thought was like for some reason a really good idea. <laughs> and like no matter what you take to the beach, like it'll get sand on it. But it's like on a deviled like on an egg, like it'll really like adhere, you know. Yeah. So I think I had like my birthday on a beach because my birthday's in August, and I was Me just too. like, "Me too. When's your birthday? Twenty sixth. Twenty ninth. What? Happy at the time of recording belated birthday. Thank you. That's crazy. I never meet other Virgos. Virgo baby. And when I do, they're always in September. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, we're special. Wow, we are special. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so I had a beach birthday party, and it was like during the day. I was like, yeah, just like bring booze, like bring food. I'll make some snacks. So I like made like picnic foods, basically. And for some reason, I was like, deviled eggs will be great on the beach. They weren't popular. (laughs) Like, people ate them to be nice, but then they were, like, in the sun for a while, and I was like, I have to throw these in the garbage. No! Um, But what was I going to say? Okay, so I once made this dish that really features mustard heavily, and it tastes so good, and I haven't made it in years. There used to be this TV show in Canada when I was growing up called Loving Spoonfuls. I love that band. Oh, it's a band. Yeah, from the 60s. That. Oh. Do you believe in that? Oh, them. Oh, okay. I know that song. That's crazy. I bet they did that on purpose. But it was a brilliant concept for a show. This is what it was. It was like grandmas from around the world. It was all shot in Toronto um, who would share their like traditional recipes. But Cute. the host would go to their houses so it was like an old like Polish lady or like an old Jamaican lady or yeah. wherever they were from cooking in like their kitchen that was like not fancy. It was just like grandma's kitchen. That's adorable. And they would film it there and they were always obviously like such characters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I used to, as a child, like me and my mom, we'd be like, let's try and make some of these recipes. So the Estonian grandma, mm-hmm. who by the way was like a, um, an Olympic coach. Your, for, your grandma? No, no, no. The one on the oh, show. Oh, okay. I wish. Okay, okay. No, no, the Estonian grandmother on this t- on like this episode of the show, mm-hmm. she was uh, uh, a rhythmic gymnastics coach. Wow. So with like the ribbons, you yeah, know, for the Olympics. So yeah, she was really like, cool. Like OG ribbon dancer. Oh yeah, she was intense. She had like Sick. a blazer on. She was like a really pretty old lady. Anyway, she made these things called roll mops. Yes. Do you Sorry, know them? Oh no, she. Oh, didn't herring. Have this one didn't any. I've ha, I've heard of those two where you roll the yeah. like a herring fillet. Yeah. This was beef. Oh. So this is what she did. She would take these like long strips of like like pounded you know beef, mm-hmm. and she would slather the shit out of them in mustard okay. like on the inside, and then chop um, pickles and raw onion, and bacon, and roll that inside of like the mustardized beef. Roll it up and just like fry it, and it was. Like, my mouth is watering now. Wait, wait, wait. Say one more time. Onions, dill pickles. Onions, dill pickles, and bacon. And, and like, cooked bacon? I can't remember if she, like, 
cooked the bacon beforehand or not. It would probably be better if you did probably. a little bit. And, um, then, and then and then she would just roll it up roll it like, like really a tightly. Rollatini. Yeah. And basically. then fry it and in like fry olive oil. It. Yeah. <gasps> it's so good. Like some of it kind of falls out no matter how yeah. tightly you make it. But whatever, put it on like mashed potatoes and Yeah, that sounds like good though. Like yeah, you like, yeah, it was like put super all those yeah, things on Exactly. Top. It was super like mustard centric. Mm-hmm. And like that's it, that's the recipe. Like I literally just described it. You can make it. It's so good. I've never heard of anything like that, and I'm gonna make it. I know. It. I'm gonna do it. I also love the idea. This kind of ties into mustard of taking like something that's already processed, like a like a pickle from a jar, and using it as an ingredient in something. Oh sure. Like yes. I kind of love that. Like sometimes it can be like super low brown sketchy, like those weird fifties recipes. Yes. Where it's like a can of soup, like inside <laughs> of something. But sometimes you know it's like you take pickles and you put and then you cook them again, essentially. Totally. I, I, I love I'm, that. I'm a big believer in using whatever you have at your disposal to build flavor. I think that the yes. opportunities are endless and that a lot of people are a little bit too hesitant about um, using what they have. You I'm, know, and that's then, like, how I like following a recipe exactly, but right. I think that, that sometimes that's that makes I've, happy accidents. Totally. That's how I've invented some of my best recipes mm. from things I have. But you could totally do that with mustard too. Is mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but well, you I could mean, like build a sauce. Oh, any so absolutely. With the mustard, like for like, like you said, a gamey meat or mm-hmm. beef or anything. Or yeah, a sauce, a gravy, um, okay. vinaigrette, which are all iterations of sauces, of course. Um, but yeah, just adding it, adding it to even like a braise. You know, mm-hmm. like if you were to add to add flavor in in a more developed way, if you add it to like after you brown your meat and your vegetables, and then add mustard in addition to or instead of like tomato paste for example you know because it, totally. it, the flavor will develop and um it'll be a more yeah. interesting dish sometimes i'll just make like chicken breasts and literally like a sauce that is like cream white wine mustard shallots and like ground pepper like mm. freshly like mm-hmm. that's it that's so good sounds great um but yeah anyway i feel like our time is pretty much up uh, anything else? I'm having so much fun. I know, me too. Anything else you want to say about mustard or not about mustard, about your shows? <laughs> anything. Um, anything? You have the floor. Um, thank you. Well, my first call of action is everyone should listen to the Beatles more because it'll make you a uh, happier human. Um, second of all, please come out to Sets in the City. It's super fun. We do it in Brooklyn Heights at this cute little cafe called Vineapple, owned by my good friend Pooja Raj. Um, once a month, it's uh, a good place to meet people, a good place to bring people, um, very community-centric, very fun. Is it like the same time every month? Does it vary? It varies. We have a uh, Facebook page. Please follow us. Sets in, in the, the City. city. Um... There's that. Yeah, I mean, and just keep cooking, folks. Uh, trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and think out of the box and be creative. Mustard can be involved or not, mm-hmm. um, but it probably should be. Yeah. That's kind of what I've learned through through this this lovely evening. Amazing. That's such a good way to end it. God, you're so positive. I mean, I All right. It. Well, until next time, folks, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Hey Baby, What's in Your Mouth? What's the next episode going to be? I have no idea. I haven't thought of it yet. Beef okay. jerky. Oh, shit. I should do that. <laughs> There's a beef jerky museum. No, it's really like a store. What? But it's just, 
It's designed like a museum. It's got weird overhead lighting right. in New oh. Hope, Pennsylvania. Amazing. Anyway, I just keep like plugging either. businesses and brands. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, see you next time. Bye. Love you. Bye.